Hey, quick note before we get started in this episode, because it's slightly different. We're introducing a new series of quick-fire interviews. We know not everyone can spend the time on our long-form interviews going well over an hour, so we're going to add some shorter segments with our quick-fire format. This is where we ask each guest the same kind of questions, broken into two sections. First, their thoughts on major areas of the sport of squash, and then two other areas that we learn more about their life. I love this section because I never know what people are going to say, and I've learned so much about the guests and new ways to try and do things. So we're going to try and do more interviews based on this shorter format because we're always up for experiments and trying new things. We're already full steam ahead for 2021 and looking to do even more. Thank you for all your support we've been getting, and your emails mean the world to me and the rest of the team. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word about our sponsor. So, Lee, we want to thank you for being our first sponsor on Squash Radio. And just want to say, you've sponsored other avenues, but Squash is always where your heart's at. What does it mean to you to be sponsoring Squash? I think there's just a, a lot of interesting people in the sports. I've attended junior tournaments, I've been to professional tournaments, and you can always get into some engaging conversations. And I think Squash Radio is an avenue of bringing those people to the forefront. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to listen to them. And sponsoring this, we're just uh, facilitating that. I think you nailed it. Is there anything else you, you might want to add? But I think you, you nailed it. That is, <laughs> that's exactly what I think. Because <laughs> I'm in like with hope. I've met Hope so many times and they've got into a little bit of conversation, but listening to that conversation you had with her, just, she's just a squash through and through person. And I don't know how many listeners you get, but it doesn't matter. It's the fact that people can now relate to Hope as this person. Hopefully they're going to do that with me. I'm sure, because I'm quite a private person, I'm not, I've never been a person who hung around the squash circle of people, but when I do, I've got some very good friends and they will probably know me, but there's a lot of people who saw me at junior tournaments and a lot of my juniors were top players in the country. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great way of bringing some of the personalities from squash. That was Lee Witham, who is the CEO of Pro Sports LED, the sponsor of this podcast. You probably don't even think about lighting and neither did we until we started talking to Lee. And now we totally get the problem that Pro Sport LED is fixing. And we know maybe that's not you now or maybe not you ever. But if you know anyone who might be interested or need to improve their lighting for squash, tennis, soccer, you name it, it would mean a lot to us and our sponsor if you'd put us in touch. You can go to squashradio.com LED or email squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thank you again, and back to our show. What about this? This call is being recorded. So we're going to go into the quick fire section now. All right, I'm ready. And what we do is we break this up into two different parts. One uh, is actually about squash, because okay. uh, it wasn't until later, like episode 20 or something, where a, a guest asked, like, hey, do you mind if you, you ask me some questions about squash? <laughs> I was like, yeah, for a squash podcast, uh, we should definitely do that. So it's broken up into two sections, one about squash, the other one about just some standard questions I ask everyone. So the first section, and we're going to give you 90 seconds on the clock. Okay. You can spend a little bit more if you need to, or you can be however short you want. Either way, we'll, we'll try and give you a little bit of time limit. And we're going to go through different areas of the sport. And I'd love for you to highlight 
what you love about that area and then also what would you want to see improve? Okay. So we got the hot topic. Number one, 90 seconds, pro squash. Oh, the thing I love about it the most? Yeah. <laughs> Just high performance. And then what was the second part to it? What you would want to see improved in that area? Oh, okay. Mainstream. Mainstream. Make it main, more mainstream. So deploying sort of like your, your marketing yeah. skills. Yeah. Yeah. And then what about the area of college squash? What do you love about college, college squash? squash? I love the camaraderie and also the diversity now. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And then one thing that I would love to see it more, I would love to see it just, I would love to see it grow to kind of the big state schools. Yeah. There's one area that I do try and test myself to like see how big you could go in anything, right? And so in squash, like I hope that in the next five years or 10 years that we are hosting college nationals, like the team nationals, maybe the individuals too, in Madison Square Garden. Oh, that would be so cool. Right. And it's like, so if if not there, well, what else is that big arena that we're taking over? And it's, I mean, because college squash just, it's such a fun product. It is just. It's fantastic. It's so much fun. And I think it needs to be highlighted more. Yeah. What about the area of junior squash? And again, you can you can speak of it from either your experience or kind of your observations of it now or what do you love about it and what would you want to see improved? What I loved about junior squash back in the day was being able to hang out with all my friends since that was like my social time. I am mm-hmm. a little different scenario now. I think what the downside of it now, I think it's way too cutthroat and it's unbelievably competitive, I think. Some the parents, some parents are getting a bit too pushy and it's leading to burnout for their kids, which I feel bad about. I was fortunate that my entree and I, I didn't touch a racket until I was 16 and I jumped in and boarding school squash. So it was all team squash. So I didn't know any different that it was like literally seven years or so before I really competed by myself. And it felt so weird to me. So I had like the inverse experience. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what about officiating or refereeing? Oof. <laughs> Positives. I mean, loser doesn't have to referee. I'll take that. As <laughs> Which is a true thing that used to happen literally 15 years ago in the sport. Oh, absolutely. Where the losers at professional, major professional tournaments would have to referee. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a pretty big improvement. That is a massive improvement. Yeah. Downfall. I don't think that they get paid enough, in which case there's no incentive to become a referee and to actually make referees better. Yeah. I mean, I think overall funding in the sport is not where we would all desire it to be. And, you know, I mean, just even for you, imagine, and you're sort of already being asked to do the same level with less, right? So like, if that's unfair, then where else is that true that we need to be investing funds to improve the sport? And I, I totally agree. I think there are a huge guys and girls that do this. And actually, I was interviewing Hope Proko, which is how amazing is it that we have someone like her now operating at that level? And we need more, exactly. more people like that. So, yep. What about desired future plans for the sport? Ooh, I would love pros desired future plans for the sport. Well, to market it, I would love to put on showcase events in cool, iconic locations around the U.S., like the Octagon in Vegas. I think that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And also to put on a like a proper professional squash league in the U.S. that has money for pros and you know is a team environment. And on the team, you can get 
singles and doubles players to kind of bridge that gap in the U.S. I feel like you've been reading my secret notes because those were exactly... I also... Those were two on my list too because I think America, we also... We understand team sports more. We understand like, hey, let's root for Boston. Let's root for LA. Yeah. Like it's really hard to, when you roll up to a match, be like, okay, there's 10 Egyptians. There's three French. Like who am I supposed to pick who to root for? Exactly. Right? Like that, that's a challenge. So I definitely agree in iconic situ- places we can do that would be great. The other one I would say is also diversity of products. So we do a lot of tournament squash. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to see like the league structure, see more team squash. Entertainment squash is something we really need to get into. And this has happened more, I would say, ad hoc, and but formalized more the exhibition yeah. tour. That's, uh, I totally agree, of putting on showcase events that aren't tournaments and more mm-hmm. rankings or ratings, none of that. But it's like fun, exhibition, invitational, like just... You come for the experience. I would, in my role when I was at US Squash, and really I was helping liaise with the pro tour in the in the UK and Europe and helping the US promoters, I would dissuade everyone from running tournaments, yeah. especially the first year. Like, don't jump in with so many restrictions, right? Start small, uh, get your, your feet wet around it. Because then with every tournament, there's so many more restrictions that come with it and challenges, so... I think there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Well, good to know. I'm going to pick your brain after this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to switch into the standard quick fire questions. And um, if these goes nowhere, it's no problem. That's on me. But we'll start off easy with, do you have a favorite uh, documentary? I did watch The Last Dance. That's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was with unbelievable. Them. I watched that twice. It was so good. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, the other one that's amazing is The Weight of Gold. HBO documentary. I don't know. It's about... Michael Phelps narrates it and it talks about the just the pressures behind being an Olympic athlete. And I watched that when I got back from um, my first wave of tournaments in October and it was it resonated. It hit close to home. Was there anything I mean, right there, Michael Jordan and Michael Phelps, was there anything that you gleaned off of? Obviously, there's so much we could. But was there anything like, oh, I need to incorporate that in my mentality or something? Did, Did you take away anything that you're trying to do now? I think it's having that mentality of always doing a little bit extra. You know, I was great about training and I thought that I'm doing a good job, but like you could always do a little bit more and being disciplined in the outside, like the stuff you do off court or outside of the gym, you know, the hydration, the diet, the sleep, the physio, the recovery, the mental preparation. There's so many little components that if you do spend maybe, or you enhance it and you get a little bit better in all, all those things across the board, then you're going to, your performance overall is going to go up drastically. Yeah. It's interesting for me here because I'm guilty of being a perfectionist. And it's with business, it got beaten out of me. Where is it that you you always want to push to do a little bit more because the, the small changes end up making a big difference. Mm-hmm. But then when is it you're, you're getting the point of diminishing returns? And it's something I struggle with personally. And so it, it's, I think, being aware that that is a challenge. And when are you, you know, like literally I've been crying, like editing certain stuff and it got lost. And that was like five hours of my life gone. So anyway, yeah. Switching, uh, what gets you fired up? And this can be either in squash world or outside of it, like in life. And it can either be you're fired up because you're pissed off, you're angry, or you're fired up because you're like excited and it just energizes you. So you can go in any direction you want. But what gets Amanda Sobe fired up? One is this 
isn't that kind of like deep, but music gets me fired up. I grew up with music. My mom's a school music teacher. I grew up playing the French horn, the piano, singing. And so music was a big part of my life. I even have a tattoo of music on my wrist. So it's just something that I feel like when you can't really express yourself in the form of words or you need a feeling or emotion, music's always there. And I've always found music to be there for me sometimes when I just don't have people to rely on Mm -hmm. um, for that. Do you naturally gravitate towards like, hey, I need to pick up my French horn and play? Or is that you go towards your playlist? I go towards playlist. So now I, I go towards listening to music. And I don't, the only music that I do is just singing for fun. I want to be able to join a choir again to be able to sing. I would love that. But just haven't found that here in Philly. And it's always been listening to music. Do you have your 2020 anthem song? No, I don't have because there are so many different with the moods that I went through in 2020. Man, like that is a whole list. Well, what was what was the one? Let's go for an uplift. Like, what was the like? Hey, you know, if I listen to this song, it's going to give me an, an injection of happiness. Like, what would be that song? There's currently I've been loving this kind of dance song called "This Is Real" by Jax Jones. But yeah, it's just. It's the current one now. You want to hummus a few bars? No. <laughs> Actually not, no. <laughs> but I love just kind of those tropical house vibes. So it's the music that is with almost like saxophone and it's jazz and type stuff, but with like a, a dance type of EDM beat to it. Oh, cool. And it's just like all around those good feel vibes type thing. How long is the song? Three minutes. Three minutes, yeah. yeah. There's certain songs like, um, I don't know, they're like five or eight minutes long and just kind of like take you through an arc. And I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when you describe it, remind me of a couple songs. But uh, next question, what is something that brings you disproportionate happiness? And what I'm going to give a quick caveat is, you know, I think family, friends, pets or what have you can all bring us happiness. So that's kind of the obvious place you might go. But it can either be an activity or something. So a couple different ways you can go with this. But what is it that would bring you disproportionate happiness? Well, I know in terms of family, but she's a little special one. My 98-year-old Granny Babs. All right. You're right. You're right. That one comes in. Especially if if you cross the threshold of 95, I think anything gets in. 98? 98, yeah. Wow. I haven't seen her since January because she's in a retirement home. And with the pandemic, it's been really tough. Like they're not allowing guests. And if you do, you have to get a COVID test a week before. And so it just hasn't worked out, unfortunately. But she has this amazing aide and we FaceTime the aide and then FaceTime Babs. Yeah. And just having her kind of make it through this year when she thrives off of social interaction and exercise and like that's kind of been taken away from her and she's been hanging on and staying strong she's just such a positive like ray of sunshine and I love putting her little workout videos she's always dressed impeccably and she's like doing little squats and 
and arm raises with dumbbells. And I love just putting that on my um, Instagram for everyone. Oh, that's great. Well, I think that also brings other people disproportionate happiness. So yeah. it all it works all around. I like it. Next question is, uh, are you familiar with TED Talks? Yes, a little bit. Okay. So the scenario here is you're going to give a TED Talk, but it can't be something that you're widely known for. So it can either be something that people might not know about you or something that you're interested in exploring and then would, would give a talk about it. So what would be your TED Talk for this? Well, well, let me quickly pull an audible and say, so you're at Harvard, four years, well done. Thank you. Was there a class that just kind of like sticks out in your mind that like, this was a great class. I'm actually laughing because I had this conversation with my sister um, last week. And I, her, right? I was like, I don't remember any classes I took. <laughs> only, I think I remember, because we were talking about with our family, my brother was there too. And we were talking about like the jokey classes that we took. My mom was like, oh, Omar took one that was the interpretation of dance. Amanda took one on chocolate. And I was like, <laughs> and I told her, and I was like, I just remember that because I took that senior spring as in like a fun class to take. And so those are kind of the only classes that I remember my last semester. And even then, I think I only remember two of them. Yeah. I couldn't tell you, honestly. <laughs> I got the piece of paper though, but couldn't tell you what I learned. <laughs> All good. For me, um, there was a journalism class I took. And I mean, I knew I wasn't a good writer and this just highlighted it too, but it gave me a deeper appreciation of how to actually have a chance at writing and how to be pithy with words, how to be very economic in your word choices and get to the lead and that kind of stuff. And we were able to like shadow, this was in in Ohio. So the closest city to us was Columbus. So we would shadow like some people on the beat report or that kind of stuff. So anyway, that one would jump to mind for me. I'm glad that you have a class that stood out. <laughs> My plan could be on how to uh, get through Harvard as a uh, student athlete and not remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So the last question we'll end on. And again, I really appreciate all your time here is, um, is there a book, and because this also is a podcast, feel free to use a podcast, but if, is there a book or a podcast that you would recommend and why? Ooh, so in terms of, I'm more of a reader. I haven't really gotten too much into podcasts. If I do listen to podcasts, it's the Whoop podcast. That's W-H-O-O-P. Were you guys, you guys weren't classmates, were you? No, but, um, so Will Ahmed, who's the CEO of Whoop, he was a senior when I was a freshman. Okay. And we were kind of the test dummies for his initial product and everything. And so it, it's been cool seeing it evolve over the years and they're like killing it. We need to give a special shout out for that because it's not just killing it. Like this is someone from the squash world who started a company out of nothing and is now it's up there. I think the valuation is a hundred billion. Yeah. Something in the billions. That's insane. Yeah. So it's, I mean, what a testament to um, the drive. Yeah. And the fact that it's also like been detecting COVID um, with the respiratory rate and helping so many people just stay safe and not risk like going to see their grandparents for the holidays because they've had their respiratory rate or like, kind of informing them, hey, maybe I should go get tested or maybe I should like isolate for a little bit because of this spike in respiratory rate. And I think that's huge. I know we're going to look back at this period in time and just be like, the fact that we're not 
using so many more wearable devices to kind of tell us what's going on with our body yeah. is going to be laughable in about 10 years. When I go to the doctor and they take my heart rate and they weigh me once, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, hey, you know, I get that done multiple times daily and all this. And it's like, it just more data can really help inform us as people and specifically athletes need it a ton. Yeah, 100% agree. And so they're doing a great job. And like, they're way ahead of the curve. And I'm just happy to be kind of on the little train with them and watching it grow. But I love back to the podcasting, I love listening to their podcasts. I think it's because they're such a high performing company. And they're all about achieving like learning the most about your body to be able to perform at your highest self. Their podcast is all about that between interviewing people in different kind of sectors of life, whether it's being a CEO of a company, a professional athlete, um, just like a fitness trainer, and just talking about their life and being a high performer. And there's so many similar crossovers that is relatable just with, you know, failures and learning from the failures and just growing from it. And everybody has the story of like being knocked down multiple times and hitting rock bottom and building from the ground up. And like, that's made them more resilient and how they got success in the end and their mindset. And it's just phenomenal to listen to and it's inspiring. So that's kind of the only real like podcast now in addition to yours (laughs) was there any particular guest that stood out for you of like hey if someone's going to give this a shot i loved listening to there have been a few pro golfers rory mcelroy i'm not butchering his name right it was fine i'm terrible (laughs) yeah but his was interesting i'm terrible with the names but there's a bunch of others honestly i haven't even just their podcast on the data and how it works and like what it means, like more in depth about quality of sleep and what's going to help you achieve the best kind of recovery. It's just learning these little things to then have for your own knowledge. And I think knowledge is power. So to just accumulate all of this knowledge to be functioning at your highest self and be the, a high performer is amazing. Completely agree. And I would echo that I think performance is performance and regardless of where you deploy it, that's what we're we're aiming for. So on that note, I'm going to just thank you again for your time and for everything you do for wearing the red, white and blue and for continuing and going on. And I know all the squash fans out there are excited about you are doubling down and we can't wait to be cheering for you. And, you know, you're, you're still very young in this journey and you already having such a big impact. So we can't wait for the next 10, 20, 30 years to come. So thank you for everything you do for the sport. Thank you, Connor. I really appreciate it. And thank you um, for uh, having me on the podcast. Anytime. Thanks, guys. That wraps our quick fire breakout segment. If you want to hear full length episodes, you can go to Squash Radio using your preferred podcast listening method. We love hearing from you, what you like, what you don't like, suggestions on what you might want to hear on this channel, or recommend a story or a person to be interviewed. You can reach out on any of the social media platforms or email us at squashradio at gmail.com. That's squashradio at gmail.com. Thanks again, and until next time.